Yes, sports radio's on. Talking sports with friends, and you know we got it on. From the NFL to the NBA, MLB and college hoops do it all day. College football, we know who's number one. Understand on the phones, you know we get it done. So call in 718-664-9098, and we'll give you more. Talking sports, uh, yes we do. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. You're listening to Ray and Tay today, and I'm Ray Tall Rayside. Oh, and I'm Tay for Halloween. Halloween, (laughs) baby, it's coming. So listen, hit Tay and hit Ray and hit Ray and hit Tay up. It's Halloween. Let's talk some sports. Give us a call, 718-664-9098. Like always, tweet at us, Facebook us, check out the website. We got some good sports interviews on there, y'all. RayandTayToday.com, your emails, RayandTayToday at gmail.com. You know, check out the pictures on Instagram. We're here for you. Ray, crazy busy show, so much. We got Hall of Fame Friday, a little bit of college football, NFL, baseball, some hoops to start, and a couple of interesting starts of the season. Let's start before we do with Thursday Night Football. I got to throw a couple things at you. ABA legend Mel Daniels passed away. And uh wasn't sure in his age, but Melly Mel Melly was Mel. nice yeah. yeah, with the Pacers and, you know, a versatile four back in the days. And do you know, 13 years ago today, one of our most famous football quotes happened from New York. We play to win the game. Our boy, Big Herm. That was today, 13. Can you imagine 13 years ago, right? Wow, that seems like it was yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> crazy, crazy. So let's start with the football, and then we'll get to the World Series. Thursday night football, 36-7. to 7. And, oh, by the way, so sad for Hank and all you Fish fans, your Finn fans. Cameron Wake, the great defensive lineman and pass rusher, out for the season. Toward the, uh, what do you, tears Achilles too? It's like, it's an epidemic, Ray, these uh, tears and these injuries. Sad to hear that. But what was even uglier and just sadder was that performance. Give me a little insight, man. How are we seeing 07? Because I know you feel that. I said that before the season starts. Could they go 16-0? and Yeah, they sure, as, they sure as heck can. And you look at this NFL, and you got to think, I can't even imagine a game – where they won't be favored. The only, I mean, maybe on the road in Denver. Yeah, maybe on the road in Denver. But other than that, they're a favorite in every home game, every road game. And in your heart, you got to say to yourself, like the Dolphins yesterday, we're just not better than these guys. They're they're just better than (laughs) we are. And then I heard a crazy rumor. Now, this may have just been to – to make life exciting at ESPN, but they said something like, what would happen if the Patriots traded for a receiver a la Randy Moss, although Randy Moss was there from the beginning of the 07 campaign, but what happened if they would get somebody like a Calvin Johnson? Ouch. Right, because Detroit's got to do something. They've they got to blow that team up, and Calvin's got two more years. 
And, you know, Patriots are notoriously stingy, so maybe they won't get much for him. So maybe he wouldn't even go to the Patriots. But just Well, there's rumors that the Lions might be buyers instead of sellers, which is comedy. Yeah, I don't understand that. But, you know, let's say you slot in a a decent wide receiver. I mean, you think about it. They're doing this with Brandon LaFell dropping balls. Danny Amendola (laughs) still at 5'10". And Julian Edelman, who needs to make the all-star, the Pro Bowl, at – you know, 5'11". So imagine if they got a legitimate-sized wide receiver and he would be their, you know, second, third, fourth option. So that's just crazy. But, yes, 2007, it smells like 2007 all over again. They right. definitely, put it like this. They're going to go 14-2, and 15-1, or 16-0. and 0. So it's one of right. those three. They still play the Buffalo Bills. They still play the Jets, you know, at New York and – and I think they host Buffalo. But, you know, it, listen, there's not much to say. I think what Brady's doing, and oh, by the way, can we just give some props, not only to the Gronkinator for his greatness, and I think he's, he's already cemented himself as the best tight end ever. He's on that pace. He, uh, what, passed Shannon Sharp um, with uh, touchdowns. I think he's up to, what, 61 now or something ridiculous. But so props to him for that. But how about Deion Lewis, who was hurt last week, couldn't play, comes back, and is just a stat machine for fantasy owners and just such a versatile player. He's, he's extremely hard to guard. Shout out to Edgar Burgos. You know what I mean? Like this, this team is, is – and how about Chandler Jones? Mankovich was all over the field. You know, they, the defense is not great, but it's also very good. You know, and it's good enough in this NFL because <clears throat> there's no juggernauts. Even though there's, what are there, uh, five, six, and oh teams, there really aren't, or six, there really aren't any Four, juggernauts. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, you look at Atlanta, Carolina, Denver, and Green Bay, and you're like, nah, not really scared of it. The only person on all of those teams that I'm scared of is Aaron Rodgers. I mean, and he right. has a good. Cam's a good player, but Peyton's best years are behind him, and Matt Ryan hasn't shown he can consistently do it in the playoffs. You know what I mean? So you look at you look at all these teams. And well, no, like, the Falcons I'm... have a loss now, so it's just the the Sunday yeah, night matchup. Sunday night sorry, matchup: you... Panthers and Patriots. So it's just you the four teams, this... and basically it'll be three after this week. But you look at it, and, and from the from the sixteen and zero perspective, you say to yourself, you know what? It's very very possible. Definitely. So we'll get back to the NFL. Ray, it's time to talk World Series. Game three tonight. You got three in New York, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, if necessary. And it's Noah Syndergaard's time to make it necessary. Let's go back a little bit. Talk about one and two. Just looking at two, Johnny Be Good, Johnny Cueto was outstanding. What a performance, Ray. And the one thing I love about Kansas City, what was it, only two or three swings and misses on these fastballs? They put the ball in play, which is perfect in Kauffman Stadium, and they, they just look like they're on a mission. You said six games. I said seven. I surely hope it's not four or five, but, Ray, the Royals look so determined, but now we're back to City Field. What do you think about games one and two? And uh, did they make mistakes in not taking out Harvey like I texted you early when they should have? 
and then the, maybe Degrom a little bit earlier, you know, when uh, before the 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 Royals attacked the Mets. Well, you got to think who you take them out for. And in that first game, it was Bartolo Colon. So I wasn't that excited. Harvey on a low pitch count versus Bartolo Colon, who is a starter, and you have him coming out of the bullpen. I stick with Harvey. I think it was the right decision. So I don't have a problem with that. Second I game, do. Game Jonathan Nice. Second game, Jonathan Nice over Degrom. You know, if, if so you're a Mets fan, in the first game too, Ray. Don't forget, Nice pitched game one as well. Exactly. So even more reason that a starter is now transferred into the bullpen and trying to figure it out. I don't know. I, I think it's okay. I, I think the bigger problem is this Kansas City Royals is the Mets kryptonite because the Mets pitchers are not getting ahead, and not only are they not getting ahead because they're swinging early in the count. They're also not blowing by you. So if you can hit 95, 96, 97, 98, you drive up the pitch count and you frustrate these strikeout pitchers because they're not used to hitters catching up to their mid and high 90s heat. So that's got to be discouraging if you're the Mets. I heard a great interview today. i got to give props to Doug Gottlieb and his show with Brett Saberhagen. And Saberhagen said one thing, you know, and remember, he played for the Royals and then later on for the Mets. But he said, you know, yeah, you have to mix up the stuff and throw, you know, the change up in the slider so you're not just bringing the speed if they're such great contact hitters. But he said tonight, Syndergaard has got to establish the inside of the plate. And he felt that Harvey and DeGrom didn't do that. Harvey, you know, sort of stepped away from the fastball a little bit earlier. DeGrom, he just, you know, wasn't, he wasn't hitting, his, getting his spots. But I think that's the thing that Syndergaard's got to do. Give him a little bit of the changeup, but he's got to attack them inside where you saw DeGrom, and you know he's my favorite guy. He never really got the inside of the plate. So that'll be fascinating to look for in game three. But I, I, at the end of the day, no DH. I think City Field, the momentum, the pitcher, the Mets, they have to have this game for, you know, all the obvious reasons. But a big win Maybe five to one, five to two. Maybe it can switch the momentum, and then you hope the young pitcher Mats can get it going for Game Four. Who would be the keys for tonight? Who Who are you looking for for the Mets to really, you know, get it going? You got to look to the top of the lineup. You got to look at Granderson, Wright, and Murphy to get on base, so that Cespedes, Duda, and the bottom of the lineup sees fastballs. You got to think that. In some ways, Kansas City is, is is just living perfectly, right, because they've got their guy on the mound, the guy with possibly the best stuff, and they're, on the other hand, hitting those, hitting those fastballs. To me, the key on the other side for Kansas City is how to get Kendrick Morales in the game because he's the one guy that, has got some pop in his bat. I mean, the other guys. What inning? What inning to pinch hit? Yeah, for, what know, inning do you in, bring yeah. him in? Do you, you know, because you, you can only use him once. Uh, you probably want to play him in the field. You know, you got a pretty good defensive first baseman in Eric Hosmer, so he'll go. To, he's going to get that one at bat, but that one at bat might be a big one. So, how do you how do you work this guy into the lineup? But yeah, I think I think the Mets have to have runners on base. They have to start causing problems for the pitching staff because it's been, you know, I don't want to say easy, but it's been, you know, it, it hasn't been that much of a struggle um, 
for the for the for the Kansas City pitching staff. You know, they were down and they had that miracle comeback in the ninth. But you know what? They're they're they're, they're living life pretty pretty sweet right now, and they got their guy, your Donovan Ventura, on the mound tonight. So I think Mets have to get pressure on him, and and, and Mets have to run. Mets have to create holes in the infield. Mets have to have you know second baseman covering and third. You know, shortstops covering and and create holes and create chaos because I think that if they don't, they could get swept. Because you're we telling me that Duda, we got to see Syndergaard and Mats to defend the season. Did you home? know, crazy stat: Duda is second in the National League in the last two seasons with I think 57 home runs. That's shocking and surprising. So wow. to me. He has got to kind of – him and Cespedes, and, you know, you, you can't rely on Murphy. And and let me tell you, some of these guys, they got to stop swinging for the fences. Just put it in play. Now, look, City Field's a big stadium. It's not quite as open in that outfield as, as Kauffman Stadium, um, you know, hence the inside-the-park home run, which was pretty awesome to see in the World Series. But, you know, this is, um, this is one of those games, Ray, where – I think the first three innings, they, they got to get some runs on the board or else it could get real scary, real fast. So hopefully, you know, we come back on Monday's show and we still have a World Series going. Do you know what I mean? I don't, I don't want it to be over. If you had to make a pick right now, when we come back Monday, are we talking to our audience? Are we, are we basically saying get ready for game six or no? No, I think we're done. I think the Mets I, win tonight, and then and then maybe Kansas City wins the next two. Wow, right. You know, um, I'll say yeah. You know, I picked seven, but I think it might be what you said, six. And I'm going to have a little faith in the Mets and, and, and think that they could get three and five. I don't think they'll be able to get four. But, um, listen, it, it's it's going to be exciting. You know, hopefully they don't have Fox doesn't have any blackouts or you know, wire problems in the in the studio and stuff like that. Did they I gotta ever figure you. out who was that? Was that was that like ESPN or somebody cutting their cord, <laughs> sabotaging Listen, the truck? I know this. They they need for their ratings. They need you know good games and they they definitely need six or seven. But they surely don't need uh, you know. Any you know having to go to Fox International, and you know listen those guys on the you know on the on the quickness did a good job. Obviously in the studio they kind of fumbled it a little bit, uh, Dontre Willis and the other guy. But you know look they they had to do what they had to do, and you know it, it, it's never easy. But it's time before we get to the NFL, man. Not too much going on in college, so let's knock this out. Week nine and Ray and Tay, we're gonna give you our top four for Tuesday. Tuesday is the first time that they announced the, the college football playoff top 25, four teams for the playoffs. Uh, before we talk about Notre Dame, Notre Dame Temple, the only ranked game, nine against 21 at Temple on ABC. Look, last night TCU took care of business. I think we have to wait and see because they have a bye week to see what happens with Baylor. Unfortunately, Seth Russell, who is you know, potentially in the running for Heisman, is out for the season, had his – season-ending neck surgery. So that's sad for the Baylor fans. But look, Nick Lawrence and all these other quarterbacks have just, you know, come along, and, and it's the system for Art Biles 
So we'll see if he can continue the system. And then Oregon and ASU, I mean, look, neither of their seasons have gone, you know, well. ASU loses in the craziest game, I think, triple overtime, 742 yards and a loss. And it was just insane. So they're four and four. Oregon, you know, there's, I guess Oregon's still alive for something. It's just going to be a bowl game. But it's a shame that these two teams, the Pac-12, they're totally out of it. So tell me, Notre Dame Temple, what do you think? Does Temple have a shot at home to sort of shock the world and mess up Notre Dame's season? No. I think <laughs> that Temple is – I mean, I don't know that much ball. about them. i got to be honest with you. I don't know that much about <laughs> them. I've just been uh, – <clears throat> I haven't seen a Temple game live and direct – but in terms of reading up on them and seeing what they're all about, I can't see it. I can't see it. You know, I just don't think that Temple is going to have enough offensive power to keep up with Notre Dame. You've got to figure Notre Dame's going to score 25 to 30, right? So can oh, Temple, with Fuller and Prosize, yeah. Yeah, so it can 25 to 30 plus, right, at least. So – can Temple score 25 to 30 on Notre Dame's defense? And I think that's where you have a problem. And I think Notre Dame's defense is pretty good. Not great, but pretty good. And statistically, Temple's a little bit better, but, but Temple's played, you know, not, hasn't played the caliber of opponent that Notre Dame's played. So I just think that Fuller and Kaiser and, and, and Prosse, the, the running back, they're too much. It's just too much Prosse, too too, too much posse. So I think the Notre Dame Fighting Irish win and win big. Great game for Temple in the fact that it's a national, nationally oh, ranked, you know, twenty-one. Yeah, but I think I think Notre Dame puts them on, puts What's it your on final them. Score? Thirty-five twenty. Wow. Yeah, I'm gonna say thirty-eight twenty-three. I think Temple actually the crowd and and, and ESPN's there game day. They'll be hyped up. You know, I think they're going to stay around a little bit in the first half, and it's going to be based on trying to get some turnovers, which I think they will do. They seem to, uh, you know, create a little bit. But 38-23, too much uh, fuller. I mean, him and Kaiser have been hooking up. And Prosize is just, uh, you know, he's borderline getting to New York with a Heisman, but he's had one heck of a season. So, look, I mean, it doesn't look like there's going to be really any major upsets, but every week there are. Uh, you know, Clemson's got to go to NC State. You, you know, you don't know if Ole Miss could, you know, anything could happen, a couple other teams. But basically, projecting to Tuesday, what is not, – not what you think the college football playoff is going to say their top four is, but what's Ray's top four week nine of the college football season? So if I had to say who the top four teams in the U.S. and A are – I would say, number one, I hate to do it, but with JT Barrett back, you got to still think Ohio State's the best team in the country. That's number one. Number two, even though they've had some ups and downs, I think for the last two, three years, they've kind of learned how to win. So i got to take TCU, the Horned Frogs. Number three, got to say Clemson. I think that uh, – that they are a team that's got, you know, a quarterback. They're they're fired up. Uh, Sweeney's got them playing well. 
And then number four, you know, maybe I'm just going to the old horse because they're always there. And at the end, you know, when the dust settles, they're always there. I gotta say, Alabama. You know, no, no, no Final Four is right without Alabama. Yeah, but are you basing this on what you think is going to be or how they've played thus far? Because you got to look at it how they've played thus far. I mean, you got to be fair. Who's better? I mean, what are we going to get? Michigan State? You know, you you got to think Baylor. I, 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 I took Baylor out because of Russell, right? So, to me, you lose your starting quarterback, your Heisman hopeful. You're, right, but it's, you know, it's going to be based on not, what they've done, you know? I guess, but you know, okay, again, I, I, I'll that go del- with that for. I'll go. So you got Ohio yes. State, TCU, Clemson, and Bama. Yep. Okay. I, you know, I love TCU. I, I, I think that they're gonna do what they gotta do. Right now, in terms of just who I've seen and the way that they've dominated week to week and where they played, I would say Clemson won, Ohio State two. LSU three, and I I got I love TCU and Bama, but I got to give Baylor number four. I I think even with their quarterback going down, yeah, because it, to me it's just based on what they've done nine weeks into the season. They defensively now I'm down to four only because of the opponents, and I don't know projecting out what they're going to be if this quarterback can step in and maybe he can. Look, he's got 12, 12 days right before he hits the field. But I think they have been so dominant, and their point, you know, victory, margin of victories has been absurd. They're averaging, I think, what, 48 points a game or something crazy. They're, they're high up there. So, and then, of course, right on their tail to be five and be TCU, like Bama, six. I'm not in love with Michigan State, and Stanford, to me, is very close. Michigan State, to me, should have a loss, I, you know, I, whatever. But to me, look, it, it, it's going to come down to everything on the field. You said it. Stanford plays Notre Dame. Bama plays LSU. You Next know, so week, gonna... Alabama plays LSU, so that's a great for us. Yeah. But, hey, before we leave college football, I'm calling for the upset. Yo, Terps, the interim coach, going to take down number 10 Iowa and prove that they're fraud. Oh, boy. <laughs> I actually don't think that's a horrible call because I don't think that they're the 10th best team in the nation, Iowa. But, oh, you know, I, I'll go for your turn this week. All right. Come on. Give, give, give me give me some support. You know, I listen, sometimes you just have to root for the upset because it's fun. It is fun. Oh, yeah, upsets are always fun, I mean, unless it's your team that's the favorite. But, yeah, upsets are fun, of course. And we've seen we a ton more upsets this year. So it's time, man. Gets me hyped up, Ray. Let's play some football, baby. Like we used to do on 95th Street Central Park. Shout out to Smokey and Parag and the crew. Nico Zagoras, Jonathan Lipsky, stand up. Brian Jones, where you at? Come on, y'all. <laughs> I love it. By the way, I saw Brian Jones today walking in the street. Today? As a matter of fact. You saw him last year, but you saw him today. That's today. beautiful, man. Yeah. Uh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Good to, good to know our guys are, are, are doing okay in the world. Shout out to Skolnick, Bengus, YMCA football. Cats don't know. 
We used to go at it hard. Andrew Ehrlich in the house. So, Ray, this is going to be an interesting week. We've got another London game for all you folks that want to wake up with tea and crumpets, maybe a croissant, although I would say, you know, stay off the, 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 the white bread like that, get you some egg whites and, and, and some vegetable omelet, you know. But no matter what, let's have some fun. Let's pick these games. Actually, I wasn't even going to talk about that game, but maybe we should because even though both teams are struggling and they're, they're, they're not doing good, it's the featured game. Nobody's at home, although I think it's a Detroit Lion home game. Give me who do you think is going to win in your fantasy stud? Both teams are trying to sort of get something going so the season isn't totally a collapse. Detroit, KC, we're still waiting to see if Macklin's available. I think he should be. Who do you got? I think both teams are terrible. And <laughs> because Kansas City is not at home. With you? <laughs> no, no, really. I mean, they, they, nah, they are they are what their records say they are. They're one and six. You know, maybe Detroit should have beaten Seattle, so two and five. Oh, yeah. And Kansas City's two and five. So they're basically two terrible teams. Um, Kansas City, you know, again, we talked about Macklin. Is he in? Is he out? They have a, you know, a decent defense, especially with, with with Holly and Houston up front at home. But I think because this is a road game, I'm gonna go with the Detroit basketball. Actually, not basketball, but you know, Detroit <laughs> football Lions. So I'm gonna go with Detroit. I'm gonna say, look, they're frustrated. They they figured they'd be a ten and six team, eleven and five. Some people thought. Uh, they still have Megatron. They still have Stafford. They still have, uh, you know, Abdullah and uh, Joyke Bell's getting healthier. And, you know, they have some theoretic, they have some proving to do, especially on offense. They've been so inconsistent and not getting our boy Megatron the ball. So I'm going to say Detroit, and I'm going to say Megatron, six catches for 125, two touchdowns, big game for him. Stafford is back, and I think they win – I'll say 30 to 20. Wow. Uh, I agree with Megatron, but I'm going to go with Eric Ebron. Not just because I picked him up in fantasy football and he's starting in real ball for Taylor Made, but I think he's already got his career high uh, this season, uh, you know, and the kid is showing that he's got the talent and the speed. I think he gets about 90 and seven catches and a touchdown. I think uh, the Lions win as well. And I say 26-20 across the pond. Let's go to the G-Men at New Orleans. Interesting game. Both teams have been sort of up and down off season. Where are you going? The G-Men. Pierre Paul's back. Might play in another week or two, but he's in the building. He's in the building. I don't think that helps him this game, but maybe in two, three weeks. And he says his skill set is even better, that he's more improved. We'll see. Okay. But you know what? This New Orleans team has been inconsistent. The Giants team has been consistent, actually, but not for enough time. It's a 60-minute game. So Giants have played 40 to 45 good minutes in, in most of their games. Except so for that I'm, game. Well, except for the game where they just laid an egg. Uh, so I'm going to say that the the home field advantage is going to take effect here. Now, keep in mind, the Saints have been terrible at home, 
but I think that they're going to turn it around. I think they're going to find a way. Drew Brees is like the better version of Eli Manning, so the guy that is always cool, always calm, always clutch. Fewer interceptions than Eli, obviously one fewer Super Bowl ring, but I think he's just going to lead this team. Mark Ingram's on a roll, so I have a feeling that the old Saints that can put up some points is going to be back. I need my boy Brandon Cooks, who I've been waiting. He had probably one and a half good games so far. Uh, I like the Saints, 31-24, and my fantasy stud is going to be Mark Ingram, 115 yards and two touchdowns, one passing, one receiving. My problem one, sorry, is – One not, receiving, one running. Okay. My problem is the Giants really don't have a pass rush, but I'm not scared of the Saints' defense so much. And I think the Giants can sort of still with their secondary, DRC has been getting those interceptions. And I think Breeze, even though they've been, you know, a little bit better the last couple of weeks, I just think Eli, he's going home too. Even though, you know, this is where they grew up down in New Orleans. He's, uh, I think he's looking to sort of say, you know what, we have got to step up and out in the NFC East. And I think the Giants kick a field goal for my man, Jiggy Jiggy Josh Brown at the end to win the game. And Eli is my fantasy stud about three fifteen and three touchdowns. The giants win 27, 26 end of the game field goal. Go Eli go the book of Eli, baby giants win on the road. Elias. Now, now we got, if the playoffs ended today, not Seattle, Minnesota Vikings would be in there as a wild card. They are at the Chicago Bears, four and two Vikings. You gotta love it. What's uh, what you're thinking? Do the Bears have a shot at home against the division division foe? You know, in the division, you always have a shot, and in the division, you you, you know, if you're betting on these games, you stay away from these games. I think Minnesota has been good this year, but not great. Adrian Peterson has been shut down too often for my liking. And I have a feeling Chicago's going to play well at home. I think Alshon Jeffrey, Matt Forte, mm. Martellus Bennett, mm. Jay Cutler, mm. and the boys are going to do enough that they're going to be ahead. They're going to play from ahead. They're going to take Adrian Peterson a little bit out of the offense, and they're going to force steady Teddy B to beat them, and I don't know that he can so I'm going to go Chicago, 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 27-23 at home. Fantasy stud for Chicago? Uh-huh. Matthew Forte doing it 80 on, on the ground, 55 in the air, and two touchdowns. He's so versatile, but I think our boy from UCLA is going to be sticking with him. Um, to me, I think – Chicago has sort of their, their, their toys back, but I don't think it's going to matter. I think Stefan Diggs, Kyle Rudolph, AP is due. No more, uh, you know, shrimp or chewing tobacco, whatever it was. His stomach <laughs> is going to be fine. The ankle and the hip are, are, are getting a little bit better. And Stefan Diggs, 
and AP and Teddy B, Bridgewater, who's actually starting to put up some good numbers. They're four and two for a reason. They go to Chicago, and um, I think both teams put up some points. Minnesota's got a little bit better of a defense, so I think they might pick off Jay once or twice. And my fantasy stud is going to be AP, 97, a touchdown, maybe three receptions for 30, 40 yards. And I say they actually win 30 to 24. Go Vikings, go. Cincinnati Bengals trying to stay undefeated at the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Big Ben is back. It's Ben, Bell, Bryant, Brown. Who you got? You know me. I've been on the Cincinnati Bengals all year. I said they're going to run away with this division. They're clearly the best team in this division. And all the Baltimore and Pittsburgh fans didn't like it. The Cleveland fans, you know, they, they have nothing to say. They, they they knew they were in trouble, at least deep down in their heart. But, and I know this is going to be enjoyable for you to hear, Uh-oh. I'm not sure they're ready. I'm not sure they're ready to go into Pittsburgh. Ben is fired up. And Ben, you know, a lot of times in football, maybe not at the quarterback position, but a lot of times in football, if you're not there, you're not there. You know, they have that next man up mentality, and you're almost ostracized and kind of encouraged to stay away from your team. But I think Big Ben has been so integral in staying up with the team, and he has this miraculous rapport with Antonio Brown and Martavi Tave, and, of course, Le'Veon Bell's the best all-around running back in the league these days. Say it again. <laughs> I think the Pittsburgh Steelers take care of business. I think they hold home, and they make that wild card interesting. They even push Cincinnati a little bit for the division. But ultimately, I think Cincinnati runs away with it. At the end, last four games, they'll pull away. But in this game, I think they lock down Gio Bernard. They lock down Tyler Eifert. They, you know, give up some yards to the receivers. I think Dalton will throw for three, 275 and maybe two, three touchdowns. But I think in the end, 27-23, go Steelers. This is going to be fascinating because I think A.J. Green, Eifert, Giovanni, Bell, Brown, and Bryant all go off. I think we're not going to see a lot of defense. And I think the Steelers wind up winning at the end. And I think it's going to be because Dalton's going to just have that one bad pick on the road against my Steelers, who defensively they've been playing a lot better than people thought. Stephon Tewitt and the big boys are going to get after it. My boy Cam Hayward, the NFL is going to stop, you know, trying to attack the NFL has got to stop the no fun league with all, you know, all of these, I get it. You can't have everybody sort of honoring this one and honoring that one. But you know, when, when cats are honoring people for breast cancer and cancer month, and you are already doing that as a league, and then you're going to be like, well, you know, you're not honoring the way, way we want you to honor. That is horrible, right? That does, that's not a good look for the NFL. They got to stop that when cats are like doing something positive. It's not political statements with, you know, cop shootings or this and that. This is honoring women like their mothers who have died of, of cancer. So anyway, my Steelers, 29-26. The main man of the game is it's just going to be about Antonio Brown. He is so excited that Big Ben is back, just like I am. 
For you fantasy owners, you are like, oh, thank goodness. He is going to get 10 receptions, 115, and a touchdown. Tony, Tony, Tony has done it again. And most stats, 29-26 Stillers. So we got to go to it. The Jets at the Oakland Raiders. Raiders, young talent. They're up and coming. I'm going to take the first shot at this one. I think Latavius struggles. It's hard to run on the Jets. Chris Ivory seems to be getting healthier by the day. But at the end of the day, I think it's going to be about Ryan Fitzpatrick getting it done in Oakland with a young, scrappy defense just not turning it over. And that will be enough. He throws for 250, but he gets about two or three touchdowns. The Jets win a little bit of a, a slugfest. I'll say 24-20, Jets win for Patrick, two touchdowns, 267, and maybe 30 rushing yards. Jets win through. You said the key to the game, and I think it's Ryan Fitzpatrick, and I have a sneaky suspicion that he's going to throw a couple interceptions. Ouch. And I think it's going to cost the Jets the game. I think this this – Oakland Raider team is better than we think. They're 3-3 three and three by record, but you know what? Carr is an up-and-coming stud. Latavius Murray, if he stays healthy, can play. And this kid, Amari Cooper, is quite a first-round pick. He's going he, to Revis Island. Yeah, he is, but you know what? He has been doing it all year, and then Michael Crabtree, where is Michael Crabtree? Michael Crabtree's on the other side of the bay doing his thing with the Oakland Raiders. So I think the Raiders, because of the game will be close, and then I think Fitzpatrick, two two interceptions, cost the Jets the game. I like wow. the Raiders 24-23 at home. You know you ain't right. Yeah, man. But I, I call it like it is, a fantasy stud of the game is Latavius Murray runs for Ooh. 90. Against that Jets defense that doesn't give up against the run, really? You're saying yeah, that's a start him in fantasy? I'm telling you, I, you know, look, I, there are better options out there. But in this game, it's going to be a tight game, and I think he's going to get a few first downs on the ground, a few in the air. He's not going to have a monster game, but he'll be he'll do enough to help his team win 24-23. Okay, tape tape. You saying I can roll with tape tape? That's that's gonna be that's going to be interesting. You know the Jets uh, have issues going to Oakland. Let's see how that works out. And uh, you know Geno Smith with the alarm clock. That won't be happening. The Seahawks in a must win for them to keep pace and get back in this playoff race at your Dallas Cowboys with a dizzy Des Bryant looking like he's gonna play. They might you know keep track of his you know, snaps, but it looks like Dez is going to be a go. Ray, I'm going to let you sit on this. I'm going to attack it. To me, your Cowboys have been 0-4 without Romo. My Steelers went 2-2 without Ben. You guys go 0-5. Joseph Randall is a head case. He probably might be suspended, left the team. He's hurt. Darren McFadden, who was the third down back, is now going to be the starter. I don't know how many carries Christian Michael will get, but Darren McFadden, I don't know if he can handle 15 to 20 carries. He always seems to get hurt. That'll be interesting. But I think Seattle is ready to sort of flex their muscles. I think the offensive line gets a little tested by Greg Hardy. 
but Jimmy Graham and Beast Mode do enough and a little bit of Doug Baldwin. Seattle wins at Dallas on the road 27-20. And to me, the fantasy stud is Russell Wilson. 40 yards rushing. He has a rushing touchdown, and he passes for two touchdowns to Doug and Jimmy. And Russell is your fantasy stud. I told you that when Romo and Bryant went out, the Dallas Cowboys wouldn't win a game you until they it. came back. Until one of them came back, and and to me, Des Bryant's not really back. If he's on a pitch count and he's only going to play, you know, ten twenty snaps, that's not being back. So Seattle, despite their record, is still one of the five best teams in the NFL in my mind, and that's a bad combination. And the, the Cowboys lose again at home. I think my fantasy stud is beast mode. It's about time that he broke out and went for 120 and two touchdowns. I think that Russell Wilson has a good game, but I think that beast mode has a very good game. And I think that the Seattle offense just overpowers Dallas, and Dallas has no answer. So I think Seattle wins 27-17. I'm going to let you swing at it first. Sunday night football, undefeated against undefeated. The Packers at the Broncos. Looks like Sanders will play and Devontae Adams. What do you got for me? I got the best player in the NFL, Aaron Rodgers, playing against what used to be the best player in the NFL, Peyton Manning. (laughs) I got the Peyton Manning offense being – below average and the defense being one of the best defenses you know maybe they've ever had in Denver but you know what Aaron Rodgers is the type of cat that can figure out a way to beat any defense Mm. and with the reemergence of James Starks you know we haven't seen him since the Super Bowl it feels like I mean I'm joking but <laughs> he's too talented to, to just be like you know in in witness protection and then if you give him Devonte Adams back to go along with Cobb and to go along with uh, uh you know your boy uh James Jones I think I think he's got too many weapons and he's the man so in prime time I like Green Bay. I think they won't have a great offensive game, but I think they'll do enough to win. So I think they win 24-20. Now, I don't know if James Sparks is up and people are saying he's overweight. You know, that's sort of uh, kind of been a mess there. But I'm sure, you know, everybody look out, you know, for the fantasy-wise, you know, Sunday morning to see, you know, who you should go with if you're going to take a pack of running back. To me, you know, I, I want to think that this game will be kind of offensive, but the Packers' defense, now they're on the road, but they've played really well at home. They are, you know, they get turnovers. And that's the one thing about the Packers that, I think people don't realize their defense is sort of sneaky good in that sense, especially with Matthews and and Peppers, you know, bringing some pressure. Their corners will be optimistic knowing that, you know, hey, Manning is not going to push it down the field, so let's play a little bit up on these receivers. But for some strange reason, 
I think the Broncos defense and the Denver Broncos find a way at home on Sunday night football to get the ball to Bebe. Ronnie Hillman runs it enough. Owen Daniels gets a touchdown. And my man, don't count out Peyton Manning, the GOAT of the regular season. Papa John's Pizza heated up. 26-24, McManus at the buzzer, game-winning field goal. And my man Peyton gets the game ball. Three touchdowns. Three touchdowns. The fantasy okay. guy of the game. 296. And uh, it's going to be fun, man. Sunday night football. I'm hyped up, man. I think it's going to be one of those games that, you know, could be a Super Bowl preview. Very possibly. You know, but uh, it's, it's going to be one to watch. So I say the, the Broncos stay undefeated and not Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. So, Ray, it's that time we say goodbye to the NFL, and we got to talk some hoops before we close with our Hall of Fame Friday segment. Listen, you, you, you basically got the game of the night is Golden State and Houston and also Miami against Cleveland. You know, but my problem is I got concerns when already game one – and game two, and the Cavs are one-on-one, LeBron James is a la Larry Bird laying on the floor. That's never a good sign. But I want to ask you how concerned you are about that. And then also, what have you liked the first two or three nights around the association? So you're always concerned when a guy has back problems. You're always concerned when a guy – that weighs 250, 260 has back problems because you're carrying a lot of weight. You're always concerned when the guy as athletic and the guy who uses his athleticism, right? Think about Larry Bird. He wasn't very athletic, and he didn't really use his athleticism, and his back basically slowed his last three, four years down. Think about LeBron, who relies on his athleticism a lot on defense, help defense, running the break, rebounding, you know, he needs his back more than ever, and your back starts to give out on you, that's a problem. So, yes, very worried. Now, in terms of the NBA, our Knicks are 1-1. One one. You know, they, they look, look good. They look good in Milwaukee, and then they look terrible the next night playing Atlanta at home. It's a different team. It's a different roster, and they, they have professional basketball players, and Melo's not healthy yet you know, game ready, same with Durant. But what you saw from O'Quinn, Derek Williams, Sasha, Langston, Galloway's a gangster. And LG. Durant, and Porzingis. about Samsung, get some LG. Yo, and Porzingis, they're looking pretty good, man. I think this is, listen, Barkley picked us to make the playoffs. So, wow, you know. Uh, you know he I disagree with that. I well, disagree with that. They got to they got to play the games, but they definitely have a different energy to them. They're passing the ball. It's exciting. I'll tell you who you got to look for: the two and zero Detroit Pistons. I was gonna say Detroit Pistons. This is Detroit basketball. Basketball. They right. look good. Although Jody Meeks is out three to four months, that's not gonna help. You know, Off the bench, he has yeah. foot surgery. Uh, you know that that adds to the depth. But yeah, Detroit man, two and zero up they there look in Chicago real- in the Central. 
Yeah, and they play Chicago tonight at home. I was surprised. They they definitely look good. I think Drummond, I think he's ready to turn the corner. I think Monroe not being there frees it up for him. He can totally dominate. You got Mark, you know, um, Ilyasova at the at the four. Ersan. Um, Ersan. And then Marcus Morris at the three, Stanley Johnson at the at the two off the bench. They got Pope and Jackson in the backcourt. They have can a we give a shout roster. out? Wait, can we give a shout out to your Maryland guy, Steve Blake, yes. still in the game, hurts. leading them in assists at five and a half a game. Now that's a, that's uh, that's kind of a scary sign that he's leading you in assists. But give him credit that he's still in the NBA and still contributing. You could get a Yo Terps for that. Give us a Yo Terps. Yo Terps. But listen, he's, he's basketball savvy and good handle, and he hits the open shot. So and he's scrappy defensively. It's perfect. I actually like this roster, and I think you know how I feel about Stan Van Gundy. I think he's a great coach, and you know we said in the preview show, man. I think this Piston team they can go anywhere from ten, eleven, all the way up to the eighth or seventh seed. So you got to watch out for them. The thing that I was impressed about opening night or the second night watching OKC and the Spurs, man, they, you know, the talent level of watching them play compared to like other teams. It is so ridiculous how good these rosters are. I really feel that you could expand and go to other, you know, two more teams, give Seattle back a franchise and then, you know, go somewhere else to, you know, get another city um, a team. I don't know, you know, where it is. If you went to Vegas or, you know, you go somewhere in the Southeast, you know, Kentucky or and South Carolina, another, you know, Northern Virginia team, whatever it is, Baltimore, you know, used to have a franchise, but Ray, the NBA rosters, honestly, they're from nine. There's some teams that can go from eight to 12 deep. And, you know, now they expand to 13 players. Well, some guys could play 13 dudes a night. You look at uh, Chicago, Cleveland, Miami, uh, you know, Oklahoma City, all the Western Conference teams are so deep. It's fascinating. How about this? How bad is this Utah-Philly game tonight? (laughs) Because Utah, they haven't looked good yet, and they're at Philly. (laughs) Is this hard to watch? Is that a hard game for people to watch? It is, except that there's so many young players on this team, so on this in this game. So you almost want to look at these young players, try to project who's going to be any project good. Forward, yeah. yeah, and almost see who, who's going to be good once they leave Philly or Utah. But let me get back to this Oklahoma City team. I just have to say that in the critical two-and-a-half-minute stretch at the end of the game when they outscored the San Antonio Spurs 11-3, and a wonderful sign, if you're an Oklahoma City fan, was the fact that neither Kevin Durant nor Russell Westbrook hit the most critical shots. It was Dion Waiters. Yeah, six-man so of the year candidate. If you can get him to play that James Harden role from five years ago and – you get that contribution from the big guys, you know, from Cantor. Cantor on the glass. Woo! Yeah, put them on the glass. So, you know, quiet is kept. I don't remember last time anybody had two of the top five players in the NBA on the same team. I mean, what, Magic and Kareem? Uh, you know, Jordan and Pippen, back. I suppose. But 
this team could win it all. I mean, it, this this team could blow by everybody and win it all. Uh, you know, certainly if we played the game outside and it was like Rucker League, they would definitely win it all. <laughs> but, Don't but get Russell started was, Russell, Russell Westbrook is so athletic. It, it, it's just it, – it's like poetry. It's, it's incredible poetry. to watch. If it you're really an OKC, OKC fan, Ray, to watch 82 games of that guy, it is a pleasure. Like, he's worth you buying a ticket. He's somebody I would never mind paying to watch that guy play hoops. You know, so that that's going to be fun. You know, some of these rookies started out, you know, kind of kind of rough. The Laker, Laker game against the Timberwolves, you felt so good for the Timberwolves winning against Flip Saunders, for Flip Saunders, um, you know. So Kobe had the flip shirt on. That was nice. That was a nice trip. Yeah, Rick, and, you know, the league, they're going to uh, – all the coaches, and they're going to uh, do something for the Timberwolves jersey, but all the coaches will do something to honor him. Opening night, they did a moment of silence. So that, that's great. But the Timberwolves, man – that team, they they, I, I like where they're gonna be. Pekovic didn't play, but they're you know with Garnett and they have four veterans to sort of work with the nine other young cats. When you've got Andre Miller, Garnett, Tayshawn Prince, and Kevin Martin, with then all that youth, it's perfect. It's really it's really nice. You just want to see Wiggins. His back's a little sore. These guys with these backs, man, they gotta they gotta watch it. But you know who I like. And I'm telling you, it's a great game to watch tonight. I'll probably, you know, turn from the World Series commercials. OKC at Orlando. Orlando's up right now, 44-38. But that Orlando team, Ray, you know, I love watching them ball. They're they're going to be fun. Yeah, Tomorrow's Aaron fun. Gordon, Tobias Harris, Peyton. Yeah, they're they're a fun team to watch. And and you know what? Your boy Jalil Okafor might run away with Rookie of the Year only I because. He's going to put up great stats, and oh, yeah. they'll be terrible. So, you know, I question his rebounding, but he'll score. He'll score in the NBA. He's a back-to-the-basket. When's Jabari Parker coming back? I didn't realize he wasn't, you know, until they saw the Nick game. Jabari's not a uh... – Yeah, I don't know. J.B. Smoove is still uh, working on that working on that yeah. knee, I guess. But he'll be back. I'm not, I'm not worried about that. He better so, be. I got, I got high oh. hopes for him. You got high hopes for him. But let's let's finish with Hall of Fame Fridays. We're going to look at some gentlemen in the three major sports, MLB with the World Series on, NBA with the season starting, and NFL with the NFL. MLB, Torrey Hunter just retired, a great career, 19 – I mean, Ray, you, you play 19 years in any sport. It's amazing. Give me, forget the stats, and we'll get into those in a minute, career stats, but give me your overall feeling of Torrey Hunter, his career, and his chance to be inducted in the Hall. So very good and very good in a summary. He was very good. He was not excellent, but he was very good. He was an excellent defender, and he was a pretty good offensive player, he picked it up towards the middle of his career and actually was 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 a dominant offensive player on a team that never really got over the hump and did big things in the playoffs. Played most of his career in Minnesota. Then he went, what, for five or six years to L.A., wow. uh, back through Detroit, and, and then retired as Minnesota. Minnesota. But the nine gold gloves, right? I mean, in center field, right? You got to love there was that. No, 
those were no doubt gold gloves. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, um, he earned it. Yeah, he earned it. So is he a Hall of Famer? Well, give us his stats. Well, two, we'll listen, he batted 277, right? Not great, but definitely, you know, when you're over 275, I think it's, you, you're proven to be a very Especially good Especially for 19 years, because you've got to figure those last three, four years pull down all your average stats. Definitely. And so, to me, that's pretty impressive. And for a guy that wasn't a power hitter, 353 home runs, I actually think that that's pretty impressive. You know, for a center fielder with the defense, he had speed, drove in over thir- almost 1,400 ribbies, 1,391, on base percentage. Interesting, 331. The slugging was, I was a little impressed by that, 461. You know, I think with the nine gold gloves and then in the postseason, he was in 11 series, never played in the World Series. Remember when he was with the Detroit and Los Angeles, they were getting bumped in the first round. He had four homers, 20 ribbies. You know, the batting average wasn't great, but 274 in 11 series in ALCS and ALDS. Um, you know, you never remember him dominating any series in, in, in the baseball playoffs. But overall, to me, I would say he's going to be borderline. I don't think he's going to get in right away. Um, maybe if there gets to a season. But you know what? Two things. People love the glove. People love the versatility. You know, he stole some bases, nothing. He wasn't a speedster, crazy. But I think his overall game, his professionalism, and his respect, it could find him in the hole. We'll see. I, this one's going to be fascinating. I can't say yay or nay. For me, I like the guy so much, I would put him in, but it would take him a while. So we'll see where it goes. Where, where, where do you go with it? I think he sits right on the fence. And yeah. Had he won a World Series, yeah, that would have been been to a World Series, it would have pushed him over the fence. Yeah. And because he didn't, uh, he's. I think he's going to get stretched out like Andre Dawson style. Um, he's oh, just yeah. going to be for a long time on the fence. Okay, so let's go to the NBA. We looked at a couple different guys. We, you know, look. Most of these guys that are about to retire, their greatness is so obvious. Whether it's Vince Carter, Garnett. Kobe. We looked at Jermaine O'Neal, Kenyon Martin, eh, not enough. But then we came up with David West. Give us David West's stats and project him out. Obviously, he might have two or three more seasons, but he's on a pretty interesting pace to potentially be a Hall of Famer. Yeah, so David West is actually quite an interesting cat, right? He's got a five- or six-year span when he was just – the man in uh, uh, New Orleans, in New Orleans, and then even in the beginning in Indiana, uh, in Indianapolis right. with the Pacers. So let me give you his stats. Let me give you his, re- his regular season stats, and then we could talk about is this guy a Hall of Famer? So, fifteen and a half points, just a little under one block, seven point two rebounds a game, eighty-two percent free throw shooter, forty-nine percent shooting from the field. Now, in his best years, right, those, let's take those four or five years where he was basically all of them in New Orleans because statistically he started to come down in, uh, you know, in Indianapolis. 
but he was 17 and seven and a half, 18 and 8.2 rebounds, 20.6 and nine, 21 and eight and a half, 19.7 and a half rebounds, and 19 and seven and a half. So at his best, he was call it a, a 19 and eight guy. Yeah, almost okay, 20 and nine. Eight, yeah. yeah, you know, so, borderline. But what do you think? Well, I, I'll say this. Forget the stats because that's sort of, you know, whatever. We'll see the next two years. It will probably drop down, right, because he's going to be with the Spurs. But if he gets a ring, which is very possible this year or next year, and we know what he brought defensively, the field goal percentage is outstanding. And the intangibles, this is a good candidacy. I, You know, I, I, I don't – I don't say when I look at him, he's not a Hall of Famer, but I don't instantly say, yo, David West was the best power forward in the league. This is another one right on the fence for me, Ray. But I like Yeah, him. I got to agree. I, I, I yeah. think he needs a title to get him into the Hall of Fame. I think it's almost as simple as that. And he needs to play an Andre Iguodala role, not finals MVP, but he needs to be big in that rotation of him, Duncan, and Aldridge and help win one or two games in a series. So we're about to wrap it up. In NFL, I think, look, the first two we were on the fence, Jared Allen, who's now with the Carolina Panthers, 13th season. He might only play, you know, one more year, maybe 13, 14-year career. But he was mainly a Chief, then a Viking, 135 sacks. Wow. Six interceptions. 486 tackles, you know, this combined, solo and combined. Ray, I think what we've seen from Jared Allen has been a workman's man career that has surprisingly turned into one of the most consistent and dominant pass rushers for eight to ten years. And to me, if he gets a ring, it's the cherry on the cake. But to me, Jared Allen, he's a Hall of Famer. He's been a difference maker. And remember, he almost got the sack record one season. His best season was just two or three years ago. What did he have, 20, 21 and a half or 20 sacks? Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> He's a Hall of Famer. Anyway, you look at it. <clears throat> Sorry. He dominated his position. He really, for his era, was always one of the best pass rushers. And so – He's a guy that you can say year in and year out was better, best at his position. So, yeah, he's a Hall yeah. of Famer in my book. Yeah, Jared Allen came to play, and you know what? He's also been a great locker room guy and a constant, you know, constant professional. He's played hurt. He's done it all, Ray. So, hey, one out of three, and maybe we'll start to bring this back. You know, you let us know. Send us your emails to today at gmail.com. If you – maybe you disagree and you think, you know – David West or, ja- or um, Torrey Hunter are Hall of Famers, and maybe, and maybe you don't like Jared Allen. But either way, you know, we'd like to talk Hall of Fame on Ray and Tay. And, you know, we, we've helped bring Bernard King and some guys into the Hall of Fame. So <laughs> let us, give us some names. Some, yeah, give us some names of some guys that you might want us to, you know, talk about in the next month. And maybe we'll, you know, hit up the three major sports again. Ray, great show. Not so much on Halloween for the college football. I'm sure there'll be some good games, but we've got World Series tonight and on Halloween. So get your trick-or-treating in, watch the World Series, and enjoy it. 
I have to join the kiddos. William, the six-year-old, is the, the ultimate cobra ninja. So then I just have to be a ninja turtle to roll with him. <laughs> my, my twins, Jackson and Mateus, with their mother, they are combined going to be dollars and cents. So she's going to be a dollar bill and some dollar bills, and Jackson and Mateus are going to be cents. So they'll be all coined up. So we're ready and raring to go in the Taylor house for Halloween. Should be a fun little party in the community, Ray. Happy Halloween, everybody. Be safe out there. Be safe. Have a great yeah. sports no weekend, and, and we'll driving. see you on Monday. Yeah, enjoy Halloween. Trick or treat safely. And, uh, yeah, have, have fun. Don't eat too much candy. Peace. See ya. Let's go Steelers. Let's go Mets.